Welcome to the Thought Leader Podcast. I'm Dr. Kent. And I'm Randy Baker. And on the Thought Leader Podcast, we talk to guests who we've we've searched high and low worldwide to find interesting folk who can bring some thought leadership to us. So I was absolutely just... Um, uh, flummoxed, stymied, excited, interested, fascinated by our chat with April Lamb. At the start of our interview, she, she was kind of talking technically language that I think you understood pretty well, Randy. But then towards the end, it was remarkable to really just find out the journey of this amazing female entrepreneur from Hong Kong working in the Indonesian market. In fact, she works in all of the Asian markets. And she does something that every entrepreneur who is seeking to expand into the Asian markets needs to talk with her. She can help. But let's let her tell you herself what she does. So here's April Lane. So April, really nice to chat with you. Um, we love Thank anybody you. who wears good stripes. So the viewers or the listeners can't see you, but uh, they can imagine just a really nice uh, striped shirt. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for that. I like your room too. You've got two very nice guitars behind you. And uh, most people think they're fake, but they are very real. They're so. real. You're a musician. Great. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So it's nice to chat with you. Uh, we'd love to know kind of more about what you do and and where you came from and where you're going. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, mm -hmm. how would you describe it to somebody who's never met you? All right. I'm originally from Hong Kong, but currently I'm living in Bali, Indonesia, where most people think it as a tourist destination or they call it a, a heaven. But I'm here not for enjoying the beach life, but to build a business. My consulting business is all about connecting opportunities between brand and the ASEAN market, the Southeast Asia and uh, when people think of ASEAN, there are actually 10 countries and it's a very fragmented market with different cultures and uh, different spending levels and cities. So companies really need help to really do a role mapping, how they should enter, how they should build their sales channels, how they should understand the culture and build their social media marketing. And that's exactly what we do. And we put a strong focus on FMCG product and affordable luxury. And that's why I moved here because I feel that um, having the local insights, seeing all the actions in this market is very exciting. And that adds a lot of values to my clients. So let's talk about values to your clients. Uh, April, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. when you make a make a, a statement saying adding value to your clients, I think, well, does that mean that the clients make more money? Does it make what does it actually mean? So I'd like to pursue that a little bit. Yeah, that well, we got asked that question a lot. I think the first value is that we help them to make more informed decisions. And the decisions do not just come from fragmented information from Google, but a team that are, are physically here. So that informed decision would help them to save resources, save time, 
and they don't need to build uh, a team upfront and make big investments before they see the sales return. And that's exactly where we come from. So there's financial value, there's, we save the time cost, and we provide the right expertise. What's your favorite, um, favorite product that you like to work with? Ah, okay. Uh, we have quite a lot of favorites. I think food is definitely one of those because of the, the specialty of the uniqueness of the market here. The total ASEAN population is more than 600 million. And so with this big size of population, food is definitely one of the most uh, uh, fast growing segment. And um, we like looking at uh, wellness food or vegan related plant-based this is really this is also in the trend in southeast asia and there are less local competition in this regard and so we like to bring uh, vegan wellness brands from maybe hong kong singapore or even we've been talking to brands from germany and france to come into this part of the world so logistically i've been to china and hong kong both fabulous places logistically if you look at food products getting them from producer to the table uh, in places that are less developed like indonesia must be quite a an interesting problem because in indonesia they're all islands how do you get food stuff sent around quickly yeah the, there's no fast track really there are so many regulatory requirements for example food need to get halal certification they need to get the local um, health uh, ministry to register them they need to start with having a local entity to be the product license holder and the logistics option as well they're they're limited of them and they're very costly and that's exactly why we are here to advise our clients what would be the best options and besides really getting the products to sit here in the local warehouse, there are also cross-border options that we've been working a lot with our clients, which means they could have their products sitting in a warehouse in Hong Kong or Singapore, and they only need to ship that to designated platform when they get orders from the customers. So this has become a very popular solution and so that it, it saves all the time to get licensed and identifying the, the right warehouse and partners to work with. So is it uh, an expensive proposition for somebody to hire you to move their new products into the Asian regions? Um, expensive is, um, I, th I think it really depends on the it's very scale. very subjective, of, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> it depends on the company, uh, really. And so far, we've got clients that are um, MNC, SME, and even startups. So we have developed different um, solutions for them and uh, we also have a very flexible arrangement of a, a consultancy fee plus a percentage of the sales and that gives a okay. lot bigger motivation and incentive to the brand owners that they feel like okay if I don't get the sales at least I don't need to pay that sales commission mm -hmm. and so mm -hmm. we feel that it's a fair plan to our clients. And so are you guys experts in all the regulatory requirements or do you use outsourced experts? 
We do work with local partners. That's a good question. Mm -hmm. And it's hard for every company to be expert in every single area. So our job is to know the role mapping, know the strategy, and uh, we have direct connections with sales channels. When it comes to regulatory, we work with local partners. So for example, we, we've got one that, that knows Indonesia and one knows about Vietnam and another one knows about Thailand. So our value is to bring all these ecosystems under one roof mm -hmm. and provide end-to-end -end services. Interesting. So let me, let me dive in with you on the other side of the business here in a, a little bit, which is kind of probing the, I was talking at the start of the interview about your stripes. So kind of probing into the stripes of the things you've done, the stripes you've earned. What <laughs> not that they say the zebra has earned its stripes? So uh, first off, Tihki Arabi, Shwai? What's that? Tihki Arabi. Do you speak Arabic a little? Um, very limited. Sprechen Sie Deutsch? A little bit. A little bit, okay. I was just <laughs> Why do you ask kidding. that? Because so, uh, so you're you're just perusing your LinkedIn and kind of looking at your your past. You have so many little features here, there, and everywhere. So <laughs> so one of them is, you know, the limited proficiency in a bunch of different languages. You've worked with all kinds of different companies. There are just stats, um, just all over the place. And I'm curious how you sort of stumbled into all of that because we all stumble into what we end up doing. But how did you end up? doing what you're doing because it, it sounds very interesting sounds like you've developed some real thought leadership but i'm curious how you got there uh, okay so the the language parts that you mentioned yeah i have very limited notion in multiple languages and it's because i've always been interested in cultures and i study politics in university and European studies. So it, it has always been my interest to know very deeply about different countries. And then since 2007, and it's such a long time ago, I was working with a brand consultancy company that is a US company with an office in Hong Kong and, and Shanghai and different places. One of the biggest clients back then was Danone Indonesia. And so I was like the account manager and I started to fly to Jakarta quite a lot and uh, working with Denon and then subsequently other FMCGs here. And so for, for several years, I have witnessed how this market grew um, from really developing to more developed and I, I've seen the growing spending power. And so years later, I somehow I got a chance offered by another company to relocate to Indonesia as the head of marketing. And then when it came to two years ago, I started to connect all the dots and I felt like it's time for me to start my own business. What could I do from all these cultural experiences, market experiences? I worked in Indonesia, China, Vietnam. I have worked on projects relating to Thailand, Malaysia. What could I do? And then this idea came up very naturally because it's also how the economy grows, that ASEAN is a growing economy. Indonesia in particular is going to be the, the fourth largest economy in the world by 2030. And at the same time, I have came across a lot of SMEs in particular. They, they are interested in this market, but they have no idea where to start. And no consulting company can help them because not everyone can afford going to McKinsey and BCG. So I thought, okay, I, I'm going to do this. And that's how I started. Uh, thank you for that. So way back when you were studying politics, 
So you're studying politics in Hong Kong. Obviously, mm. we hear about politics in Hong Kong every day in the news for the last couple of years. So yeah, you're yeah. now working with, you know, Indonesia and other places. But but um, are you still involved in politics? Are you still sort of fringely, obviously, thinking about it all the time? Well, I'm not involved in politics, but I think that background, that thinking, being uh, analytical and being sensitive to government policies and, and economies really helps and, and is directly related to what I'm doing. For example, I, I would watch the news about what the uh, Jokowi, the Indonesian president, says about the new labor law and how they, what kind of things they do to, do, to attract foreign investment. I think these are all related. As I said, I'm trying to connect the dots. So political background or economics, business, they're all the same thing. So when you were a tiny little kid at your parents' knee, did you want to be getting into government, into politics, sort of uh, big level jobs? Or what, what, what was your big hope back then? Oh, wow. Okay. I, I got several dreams when I was a kid. Um, my first dream was actually archaeologist. I, I was really into Egyptology. But then growing up in Hong Kong, basically no university offers that curriculum. It's not unlike in the UK or US. So that dream just faded out very quickly. And then I slowly moved into politics and, and history. Because again, for the same reason, I, I like cultures. I like knowing about the world. And yes, I thought about being a diplomat, but then that kind of uh, career opportunities were also limited back then in Hong Kong. So I just naturally got into the business world and started working in, in um, MNC, where I got to know about different European markets and Asian markets. So I sort of made some choices, but it was also my destiny to go through that way. We've been through a particularly challenging 12 to 16 to 18 months with the pandemic going on. How have the Asian people and the businesses you're working with been impacted and have they changed the way they run their businesses, the way they operate? Um, mm -hmm. And if so, in what ways? Right. There are multiple dimensions to, to answer this. I think first, the pandemic plus the China-US trade war facilitated a lot more thinking among Hong Kong companies that they need to look for a new base for organic growth. And so besides greater China, uh, Southeast Asia is naturally the, the, the best choice. Uh, plus the Hong Kong government is actually offering a lot of funding to help SMEs to expand to this part of the market. They could get half of their marketing costs covered by the government fund. And so that pushed the SMEs to be more proactive to look at ASEAN market, that's one thing. The other thing is that, of course, people start thinking about online to offline, omni-channel integration. And a lot of my clients, they were actually already in online plus offline, but they didn't find the missing links in between how to really balance the traffic when the offline completely died. And so this is also where we could come in to help because besides me, my team also have strong background in social media and e-commerce. So we help them to bring 
these two parts together, plus adding the Southeast Asia element. And so I, I would say most of my clients, they are very, they still remain positive and they keep looking out for growth through new market entry rather than still drilling in the Hong Kong market that we know is, is a small market to work with. And so we feel that is, is quite positive. And the, the third thing that I noticed is that recently we have signed with clients from Dubai, from Europe, from Canada, and purely we closed the deal through Zoom meeting. Uh, I've never met them in person. So business owners are so much more open with ways of communications and they're able to build trust over Zoom. And this amazed me a lot. That's really interesting. In particular, also, you mentioned social media as kind of a last difficult question to ask you. How does how do you tie in such sort of high level marketing work uh, with sort of opening markets? How do you tie that in with the sort of uh, front facing social media presence kind of thing? How do those two meet in your world? Mm. I think the most important point to connect the two is that we implement that. We do execution in-house and including myself. I would write a copy, I would create the visuals and that's the only way to help me to connect the both. And the other key is that we need to have a deep understanding of the local social media behavior. For example, in Indonesia, live streaming social commerce is so much stronger than in other places like Hong Kong, Singapore, stronger than, than uh, Germany, for example. And so how do we leverage this and understand the behaviors and identify key influences that we could work with is so much important. And that's exactly why I need to be in this market so I could see those people. I, I could watch their videos every single day and see how they convert the sales. And that's why being in the market is just so important. So now, now I have a good follow-up question for you, April. And that is, it sounds like you're a, a magician similar to Randy or me or very, you know, folks who have spent so many years thinking through things and become experts. I'm also getting a sense, though, that are you in some ways a bottleneck for your company? In terms of, it sounds like a lot has to go through you corporeally, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think, yes. And to a certain extent, yes, um, I, I am sort of the bottleneck of my company. And that's exactly why recently we have done a lot more to automate the internal process. Of course, in our company, we have juniors who is just 27, 28 years old. But then, for example, in terms of generating new business leads, we are using some AI platform that could help us to identify targets from different countries. So it's not just me knocking at doors, doing meetings and do the closing. We, we have some platform to help us. Secondly, I think that's also quite a surprise when I tell people is that I can see a lot of digital talent in Indonesia that I could easily find experts from the e-commerce space, from the uh, social media market space, and they know more than me. So I'm constantly building my team and help them create a learning culture, create materials and, and push them to attend webinars. I don't need to train them on the technical side. What I need to train them is more about a, a global mindset, a regional mindset, and what client wants. 
So in a way, I'm the bottleneck, but I, I'm trying to expand that neck um, so that my team would get more involved. Thank you. Um, Thank we like you. to keep these. We like to keep these short and punchy. Mm-hmm. But I have one one more question, and when you answer this, then I'd like you to tell me how people can connect with you. But I'd really like to know what makes you unique in this space. What is it about April mm-hmm. Lamb that makes you different to all the big firms that are in the space, and all the big I know all the big consulting firms are doing the same thing. You're different. What is it? And then please, if you can tell people how they can reach you. Mm, we're different because we're small. And it's exactly because we're not big. Uh, imagine an SME owners, even if they could afford the consultancy fee and they knock at the door of McKinsey, they might not be able to get exactly what they want. But we could do that in terms of not just affordable fees, but we understand SME owners, they need the consultants to be very hands-on as if we are part of their team and they need someone who could give very strategic level of strategic advices and also maybe we, we would be able to go extra miles. For example, I also give my clients advices on web development, which I'm totally not pay for that. So we try to build this SME-centric uh, services and mentality and we understand the mindset of business owners, I think that's what makes us unique. And where can folks find you? iloconsulting.com and LinkedIn, iloconsulting. And for everybody listening, that is spelled A-E-L-L-O. Consulting. Yeah, A-E-L-L-O, consulting, exactly. Thank you so much for talking to us, April. I think we just barely were able to scratch the surface because you have so much experience and so much knowledge in this space. So. I uh, can't wait to see um, where you take things and um, how you continue to be that small company. Um, I love that you voiced that that's the difference. It's a beautiful difference, um, being small Thank you. and um, being unique and different, responding to your, to your clients. That's awesome. Thank you. Thanks so much, Ken and Randy. It's very nice to talk to you. Well, thanks, April. I really loved the part where we asked you what was unique about you and you told us that your consultancy is small and because it's small, you can personalize, you can adapt, you can drive different and better solutions. You can give better service to your clients. To me, that was quite eye-opening how impactful a small consultancy can be. So first off, I'm actually not sure that we talked about that within the interview, but if we didn't talk about it in the interview, then take it as a secret inside information about April and how she sees things. And what I think is really interesting is it's like a little yippie dog, you know? Uh, If you have a a golden retriever next door or a yellow lab, hey, no trouble. They might bark every once in a while if they see a squirrel running by. But if you have a little tiny dog, you think, oh, what a cute little dog. They might just make your life miserable. Miserable? The little yippy dog that oh, lives yes, next door. Cause cause always, they, they, you know, every yapping. time a male. Yeah, okay, got it. I mean, you got to love them. They're adorable too, but yeah. still, yeah. So so the little that could, like the little companies can often do a lot more damage than the big ones in a good way. Yeah, It's it's for David and Goliath. It's the, it's the small against the massive. Are you saying that David yipped? 
Oh, I'm pretty sure Goliath yipped. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Speaking of yips, uh, if you'd like um, a cure for your yips, go on over to thoughtpartnergroup.com and there's a, a little button at the top of the page and you can take an assessment and send it over to us and we'll spend uh, a couple minutes yipping over your answers. And if you like what you've heard on this podcast, please subscribe to all future editions. Hit the subscribe button below. Leave a comment or two or three if you really like us and we'll love to read them. Be perspicacious today. Isn't that the word? That's a word. Is it the right one? That's what we don't know. Take care. Bye.